You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to The Big Show in the morning, hour two underway on this Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you filling in for Matt and George this week. Week 17 of NFL action is in the books. One more week to go before we get playoff scenarios finalized. Two games on Saturday and flexed into Sunday night. The chance to win and you're in for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers as they take on the Detroit Lions on Sunday. But to uh, go through everything that we saw in week 17 in the NFL uh, very happy this morning to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in NFL analyst for CBS Sports. It is Charles Davis joining us this morning. Good morning, Charles. Happy New Year, pal. How are you? Uh, good morning and Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I think I'm doing like anyone around the NFL world, a little on the somber side this morning after what we witnessed last night with Damar Hamlin and hoping that that young man's going to be okay as he fights for his life in a hospital in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's that's really the only appropriate place to start after what we saw last night in Cincinnati. DeMar Hamlin uh, goes down after making a tackle on T. Higgins, and you know everyone knows the story from there. I, I guess, Charles, just take us through what was going through your mind last night as you, you saw everything uh, that happened. I, I don't know that it's in much different than probably for most of us. You know, we watch these games, we see these we see these, these these men hit and collide at high rates of speed and ninety nine point nine percent of the time they either get up or if an injury results there's medical care and they're taken off. But for it to go from him hitting, getting up, collapsing where I thought and I'll only speak for myself, my immediate mm-hmm. thought was delayed reaction, possibly concussion. Maybe he got knocked out. But the way he went down, I know I felt something different, but not that I'm going to sit here and tell you. I knew right away. I did. Yeah. Okay, that would be a lie, and, and I'm not about to do that. But I knew something wasn't the norm. I said, you know, my, as I said before, my first thought was, could that be a concussion? But something else was nagging. Yeah. You know, just the way he went down. I said, ooh, okay. And then medical attention went out, and you're, you know, now you're used to, look, we're used to that scene, right? We're used to someone going out and being attended to. But then the flurry, when the flurry happened, I think that's when all of us clued in, okay, something really big is going on here. And that's when we we kind of knew that it was bigger than the norm. I thought Ryan Clark on ESPN last night was exceptional. Um, let me let me say everyone that I watched last night I thought was exceptional. Ryan particularly poignant because he had you know sick he has a sickle cell trait and playing mm-hmm. at altitude and not enough out you know it can trigger and he ended up being very sick in a game in Denver lost his spleen et cetera et cetera came back to play so he could speak to this a little bit more than others you know because of his situation and he he nearly lost his life on the field so. I'm old enough to remember Chuck Hughes, which is a name that probably hasn't come up, or if it has, it's being couched in very, very hushed tones because Chuck was a tight end for the Detroit Lions in 1971. 
who collapsed on the field and died. And that's the last time we've had that in the NFL. And I know that last night was not the night to talk about that. I hope that we're not getting there. But it's been think about that, 1971, and here we are, 2023, was the next time we were confronted with that possible situation. So it's scary, scary, scary all the way around. I'm glad you brought up Ryan Clark because uh, as a broadcaster, I'm sure, uh, and as someone that's played you know, a high level of football, Charles, you can I- imagine you know, the spot that he, uh, Booger McFarland, and others were in last night yeah. where you know, you're asked to, to report on and, and you know, bring yeah. up these tough situations. And you know, what a job all of those crews did in, in bringing the importance right. that it was. This was about DeMar Hamlin, and this was about the man, and this wasn't about a football game anymore. And you know, what an important voice it was for some former players to come out and, and, and speak to what was going on in the minds of, you know, no doubt the Bills players and, and for sure yeah. even the Bengals players. Yeah, a great point you've just made all the way around. I thought everyone that we saw last night on air in the moment, and I don't want to short anyone, miss anyone, not a single person there. There's no real manual for how do you cover something like this, right? It's that simple. Mm. There's no manual. And all of them in the moment had to be at their best, and I thought that they were. I felt for all of them. During that time, I thought Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salter's on site in the studio, Susie Colber, right? Adam Schefter, Booger McFarlane. Then you got Scott Van Pelt's show with Ryan Clark. You had on the scene those reporters, Coley Harvey and, and Ben Baby, that I watched. Now, others may have been involved. Others may have been on other networks, all that. That's who I saw. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they were amazing in, in the moment, having to do that real time no manual, and emotions kicking in. And then what we were getting reported, Bengals players coming to the Bills locker room to to share their condolences and, and thoughts and sympathies and commiserate because there is a brotherhood in that game, which is why when we see cheap shots, when we see dirty play, it's fined so heavily and criticized so heavily because the game's violent enough as it is, you have to take care of each other out on the field. You know, we have a term called brother-in-law in practice, right? Where were you brother-in-law a little bit? I take care of you, you take care of me. But in a game, you're going full speed. What we're saying about taking care of each other is just simply don't put me in extra harm's way that's not part of the game. Mm-hmm. Don't take that extra cheap shot. Don't hit me when I'm down. Don't hit me when my back's turned. Don't hit me where I'm vulnerable and you know that you can and it's not supposed to. That's called taking care of each other in the game without affecting the integrity of play. And I think that's what we saw come out last night, that commiseration and understanding of each other, that that could be us, that could be any of us in the league, could be any of us anywhere. And it's just, you know, once again reminded, true human beings playing a game that we love, that we fight about, that we yell at people about, we didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't give me my fantasy points. Last night was a reminder that that's all truly secondary. How did you think the the NFL went about handling the situation? I was personally uh, incredibly impressed by you know the the Bengals head coach and Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott handling Sean McDermott. it as as you know true professionals and leaders of men and as someone that's been coached and been in that situation, I'm sure you can appreciate that too that that they took the forefront on it. I, I didn't have a problem. I know for some people it, it took a little bit too long to announce that the game wasn't going to continue on Charles, but. Did you have any yeah. issue with how any of it was handled last night? 
I really didn't because I think that when people talk about how the time frame, if they go back and go through the true timeline, I think it was less than an hour for them to come to a full conclusion. And remember, you have so many moving parts because the last thing you want to do is announce different things and family has not been informed, right? Or the teams don't know. So you're going through a collection of, you've got to be involved with the highest personnel of the Bills, the Bengals, the NFL, the TV network that was, that was covering it, which would have been ESPN and ABC, right? The, the, the rest of the brass in the league, all the way up to the commissioner, of course. The family, first and foremost, going to the hospital. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the NFL dispatched someone to the hospital to be there. there. I know there's no doubt in my mind the Bills dispatch people. I'm talking about high-ranking authorities uh, for, for the team from ownership down. I'll bet, the, I'll bet the Bengals did that, working with the hospital to make sure everyone was accommodated well. The league itself gets involved. Don't forget, you also have PR staffs for both teams who now have to be involved. Who answers what questions? Who goes where to what thing? Who is involved in what? That means that, that per, PR person, the head person for, for both teams, that'd be Emily Parker for the Bills. That would be Derek Boyko for the Bills. I mean, uh, Emily Parker for the Bengals, Derek Boyko for the Bills. You're informing your ownership. You're, you're, you're right there with your head coach about what they're saying. You're, you're involved with anyone else that comes along that, that's part of the ownership. You see where I'm going? This is the, I thought mm-hmm. that they handled it as well as they could. I think the initial report of in five minutes they're going to warm up and try and play again threw everyone off because I think that's what's going to levy the criticism. We don't know that that report was ever actually true. Uh, the league is highly disputed that that was actually true, that they never said five minutes we'll go back and try and play. I think that's probably your initial thought because we've done that before. Right? We've, that's what we've seen. But when I heard Lisa Salter's report that that young man, they were trying to load him into the ambulance, and then they had to put him back on the ground and start administering CPR – you saw those reactions, right? You saw the player reactions where the crying and then all this, it kind of broke out. Yeah. That feels to me like that's what they saw. Yeah. Like they saw him getting loaded in. It's kind of like, okay, okay, we've seen this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are they taking him back on the ground? Well, what's going on here? I think that's what they saw. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Because that to me would explain the extra spontaneous, you know, eruption of emotion that we saw from Buffalo players. So, so many things. I know I've gone long here. I apologize. No. I think the league handled it very well, and I know people want quick, instant, immediate resolution, and for every second it went by, it felt unfeeling to those people. I don't think that was the case at all. I think this was a league that was trying its best to be unified and make sure the appropriate people were informed the right way so we don't have misinformation and you're chasing things that aren't real. Because once you start chasing, listen, we're all in that business, right? Yeah. How many times have you been told something and you chase it and chase it and chase it and it's not real? Mm-hmm. And you spent all that time and maybe people have sent you in the wrong direction and things are being reported that aren't right. And all of a sudden they become fact. You remember trying to change that? Yep. It's hard to do. It is. 100%. Uh, very well said. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL analyst from CBS Sports, joining us this morning on the big show. 
uh, following a scary incident last night in Cincinnati between the Bills and the Bengals. No easy way uh, to transition this to football, but we'll uh, yeah. we'll try our best here. It's Logan Gordon along with you this morning. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Patrick Dumont. Patrick? Uh, Charles, you, you, you and uh, Ian had the call of the uh, Patriots and Dolphins there on Sunday. New England uh, getting the win. Uh, they now control their destiny heading into the final, uh, final week of play against Buffalo. Well, in Miami... Uh, they're prepping either Skylar Thompson or a beat-up Teddy Bridgewater to uh, attempt to get yeah. them into the playoffs. Uh, just how the story of this NFC East, how where Miami was at the start of the year to, to what has happened now and, and how New England, despite all their issues offensively, still have a decent shot at getting into the postseason. <laughs> yeah, it tells you the true story of the NFL when we're talking about on-field, right? Yeah. But what you see... <laughs> May not may not stay that way for long, depending on how the season goes. I mean, Miami's the streakiest team we've seen in a long time. If you go back to last yeah. season, yeah, eight you know, how they win. started and then how they finished, right? <laughs> Two monster streaks, one losing, one winning, and just missed the playoffs. And then they fired Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. This year, it's just been streak after streak, hasn't it? Yeah. Three and zero, zero and four, five and zero, zero and five. I mean, it's it's. it's craziest thing I've seen and I don't know how long um whether it is te- if Teddy Bridgewater is able to play because now they're saying the finger's dislocated mm-hmm. not broken and they're able to relocate it and they'll see how the swelling and soreness goes can he throw the football etc Skylar Thompson trying to get ready the rookie out of Kansas State um who I believe will have accuracy issues because that was one of the things I saw coming out of school and hopefully I'm wrong for him. I'm, I never try and say things hoping that, that that I'm right when things are a struggle. But New England, it's hard to explain other than that defense finds ways to impact games that you don't expect. Look, Miami had that game in hand. I, I'm just I think I said it on air. Miami has things going their way. Mm-hmm. And where the game changed, and I had said at halftime, can either one of them make a big play on offense? And Miami is the more likely suspect with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, that they could take a five-yard pass and turn to a 65-yard touchdown. Yeah. New England didn't have those. They don't have those kind of players. So can they scheme something? Can they find a way? Can they do it? Blah, blah, blah. And I totally blew it because what always does it for New England? Their defense. Yep. Because for the fourth straight game, they scored on defense. Well, seven already this year, I think, total? That's, that's seven for the season. Eight non-offensive touchdowns when you wow. count Marcus Jones' punt return that beat the Jets at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. So that's a really weird way to win and play. But it might be enough formula to get them in the playoffs if they're able to do it one more time up in Buffalo. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just a crazy thing to look at. And Miami's playing a Jets team that is now out of it, I don't know if that will relax the Jets and have them play well, or maybe they're just done. We don't know. We won't find out until Sunday. And that's, that's, that's what makes this league so appealing because how many times have we looked at things and said this was a lock, that was a lock, and then you look up and Cincinnati's throwing a touchdown pass and putting the Buffalo Bills into the playoffs in the next year in preseason – the Bills Mafia is sending donations to Andy Dalton's foundation and giving him a standing O at a preseason yeah. game, you know, because you got <laughs> us in the playoffs and none of us saw it coming. Yeah, that's that'd be quite the story there too. Uh, over in the over in the NFC here, the Green Bay Packers have uh, turned this season complete 180, and now all they have to do is win and they're in. 
the defense is playing really well uh, of late. Uh, and then the big catalyst who I've seen over the last month and change here was was Keyshawn Nixon being activated off the practice squad and giving yeah. the Packers somebody who can return kicks, something that they haven't had in well over a decade. I think it was uh, Jim Nance said it on the broadcast. That was their first kick return touchdown since I think Randall Cobb's first touch of the ball in the NFL back in the season opening game back in 2011 against yeah. the Saints. Uh, just how big has it been for Keyshawn Nixon and this Packers team to have, to where they were to have a chance? Huge. And and I, I think I know Jim nailed it because Jim doesn't miss. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. he nailed on Randall Cobb. But, but I will take it another step because – you remember when they won the Super Bowl when Brett Favre was the quarterback, Reggie White was there, yep. but Mike Holmgren was the head coach. They beat the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Remember who the MVP was of the Super Bowl? Deshaun Howard. It's Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard, sorry, Desmond Howard. Yeah, it's Desmond Howard. And why? Kick return. Yep. Right now, Keyshawn Nixon looks like Desmond Howard down the stretch because <laughs> Desmond didn't do that in the Super Bowl and that's the first we'd seen that year. You remember Desmond had a big year returning the ball, and in the playoffs he was un- he was incredible, and kept giving the Packers advantages and things that they hadn't had before, field position, the whole deal. He was he became that extra weapon for them, so he got on that hot streak, and then kept culminated in the Super Bowl. Yep. Keyshawn Nixon has that look to me right now about where he is because, you know, Christmas Day with the big return, right? Does it again against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He and that and that special teams group led by Rich Bisacci, who they went out specifically and targeted last year, you know, who was Raiders interim coach who got them to the playoffs, did a phenomenal job, one of the best special teams coaches in the business. He's, he's earning his money right now, and Keyshawn Nixon is really taking and running with it. So, yeah, Randall Cobb makes perfect sense, first touch. That, that's exactly on target. But the way that he's playing reminds me more of the Desmond Howard taking the Packers mm-hmm. to the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, NFC East uh, is going to come down to the final day. One seed's going to come down to the final day. Obviously, we still don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to go for Philadelphia in their finale against uh, the Commanders. Of course, the Cowboys, they're playing really good ball of late. They got the, the Giants who clinched the playoff spot. They're heading back to the postseason as well. Uh, crazy NFC East uh, finish here coming up, Charles. It really is, and and what was was wild about it is was it two seasons ago we were talking about this is the worst division in football. Yeah. <laughs> so it always changes, right? It's always it's cyclical about which one's the worst, which one's the best. Remember when we thought the AFC West was going to be just amazing in preseason this year? That didn't go so well, right? <laughs> the the NFC West has been phenomenal the last couple of years. We didn't expect it to be different. Has it been great? Okay, so you just don't know. So if we focus on the NFC East, Giants-Philadelphia on Sunday. Philadelphia is still playing the lockdown number one seed. As you noted, Jalen Hurts may or may not play. My colleague, Jonathan Jones, I heard him report last night that it appears that he is tracking towards playing Sunday. They feel much more confident that he'll be able to go, and he will play, and they have to play the lockdown number one seed because they didn't do it in the previous two weeks. And the Giants would be interesting because I think they're going to channel the Tom Coughlin Giants that won the Super Bowl. Remember when they, they had the, the, their seating locked up and they played everyone versus the Patriots when the Patriots were yep. undefeated? Almost beat them. And they lost, what, a 38-35 game? Yep. They said that they got their confidence like, hey, we can play with that team. But Tom Coughlin was like, listen, we, we, get signed up, we signed up to play football. We're not resting people. We're not doing anything like that. And I think that was fuel 
I think Brian Dayball is going to follow the same formula. If that guy's healthy, he's going to play. So I think it's going to, that makes for a heck of a game because he's still establishing with this Giants team, hey, we may be, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule, but we're not going to step back like we have arrived. Hey, I'm not, I'm not playing people. Every snap that team gets makes them better because they're not a great collection of players. It's not the greatest roster you've ever seen. He's, they have not earned that right, I think, in Brian Dayball's mind, to kick back and put on baseball caps. they got to keep playing and proving it to people and to themselves. So I think they're going to have both teams will play their best players in that game on Sunday, and that'll be fun. Dallas, of course, is playing to still be a possibility of division title and potential one seed. San Francisco out west is right knocking on the door now to be the one seed if Philadelphia stumbles this weekend. And poor Washington. Great run. It's all right there in front of them. They lose it in the last two weeks. And Ron Rivera, one of my favorite coaches in the league, gets nailed with not understanding that they're out of the playoffs. <laughs> you know, when, yeah. the, when the question came, Coach, you're going to play Sam Howell now, your fifth-round quarterback, and, you know, since you're out of it, we're out of it? That's a tough one for him. Yeah. Uh, Charles, before we let you go here, uh, I'm curious your take on a, a team in the AFC. It's not going to win its division, but it's made a lot of noise the last couple of weeks. That's the Chargers, 10-6 and six yeah. now. They've won four in a row. Uh, Joey Bosa is back healthy. There's a chance they get. All-pro left tackle Rashawn Slater back at some point. Uh, Justin Herbert maybe doesn't get talked about a lot in that division given how good Patrick Mahomes is, but uh, what do you see when you look at this L.A. Chargers team? What I see is a team that's gotten so much better on defense, which is where it needed to happen. You know, even with the injury to Rashawn Slater earlier this year, the offense still was operating at a pretty decent level because think of who you have on the perimeter when they're all healthy, right? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you go on and on. So with everything that they have and Austin Eckler out of the backfield and Justin Herbert throwing the football, they still were putting up points. Their problem was they couldn't slow people down in the running game. People were putting up points on them on defense. But the last three, four weeks, those numbers have been cut like in half. Mm-hmm. And if you get a, a Chargers team that plays that kind of defense come playoff time, they're extremely dangerous. Okay? Josh Palmer, Canadian, played at my alma mater, University of Tennessee. Yes, Major sir. plays on the perimeter. So I love what the Chargers are presenting now because earlier this season, I kept thinking this team should be better. They haven't been as good as they should be. They went out in the offseason, got all those players to try and help them on defense. A lot of them got hurt. But they are locked in right now playing their best ball. And if they play that kind of defense come playoff time, they are going to be an extremely tough out. And could you imagine Herbert and, and, and Mahomes going off for a third time this year and this time Herbert bringing his defense with him? That could make things very interesting. It sure could. I think they're one of those teams, uh, if you're a division winner right now in the AFC, that you're hoping you don't line up with uh, come, come <laughs> yeah. round one can of the playoffs. Can they not our seating <laughs> yeah. please? Yeah, pass on anybody but them right now. Uh, Charles, thanks so much for the time this morning. Really do appreciate it. Very well spoken uh, on the DeMar Hamlin situation. Thank you for, uh, for being so upfront and honest with us on everything there. Much appreciated. Uh, best to you and yours in this new year, sir, and we'll, we'll chat with you again sometime soon, hey? Thanks, Charles. I look forward to it, and the same to you and yours, and let me just very quickly thank the, the two of you 
for how you've handled the DeMar Hamlin situation and how you, and you, how you work with me on that today. I, I really, really appreciate you both. Continued success to you. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Cheers, Charles. Thanks, Take buddy. care. Charles Davis, uh, CBS uh, Sports NFL analyst, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this morning. Week 17 in the NFL wrapped up last night uh, with a postponed matchup between the Bills and the Bengals. Still no word on what's going to happen with that game going forward, um, whether it will be continued, whether it's to be played at another time. But uh, first and foremost, the safety and health of DeMar Hamlin, uh, his family, is uh, what we're thinking about today here on The Big Show. It's Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you. Filling in for George and Matt. We'll keep things going on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline. Let's check in with Winnipeg. Our pal Andrew Patterson, the hustler, joins us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two of The Big Show. Logan, Patrick, GVP, Alex Brody along with you on this Tuesday. Happy New Year. Happy Flames game day. Flames and the Jets tonight from Manitoba. The heartland of Patrick Dumas' people. And Brody's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Brody's is a... Represent. Where are you from in Manitoba, Brody's? Brandon. Myself. Beautiful Brandon. Explains a lot. (laughs) Winnipeg for you, Dumas? Uh, It's the peg. The peg. Uh, Since Dumas and Brody have left, the man that's taken over the sports scene in Winnipeg in the last couple of years <laughs> has been uh, our next guest down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Very, very excited. Always love chatting with this guy, the host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. It is Andrew, the hustler Patterson. Huss, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, what's up, fellas? How's things? We're doing great, man. How are you? How's things in Winnipeg? You know what? Things are, uh, things are good going into the new year, to be honest. Uh, Tell you what, considering what the Jets have dealt with in the first half of the season, I don't think anyone could have imagined them being where they are, ten games above five hundred right now. But uh, it's uh, teams getting healthy right now, getting ready for uh, a second half of the season. I think that's really excited hockey fans. All starting with Rick Bonus just completely turning this team around after a miserable season that uh, ended up last year. I uh, do want to dive into all things Jets with you in a minute here, but uh, I have to go back a little bit. It's been a bit since we chatted, and I, I got to know how Qatar was, man. You were lucky enough to uh, to go visit uh, you know, Qatar, watch the World Cup, and see Canada in the World Cup for the first time wow. in a very long time. How was the experience, man? Oh, my God. Trip of a lifetime, guys. That was, um, that was truly incredible. Um I mean, the highlights of the entire trip certainly were the Canada games. And being there for Canada to return to the World Cup is something that I don't think I'll ever forget. And it was neat going to a different culture, albeit one that I don't think I would get too used to being in um, longer than a couple of weeks out there for it. But uh, And listen, I mean, I'm not one of the soccer hardos that's been down for uh, for years. I mean, I've really gotten into it over the last few years, and Canada's qualifying for it, but... My God, to be able to to sit there in the stadiums and watch the um, the best in the world do it in an atmosphere at an event like that was uh, um, was something I'll never forget. And certainly, you know, if you're you've certainly been getting into soccer more and more over the last few years, and you have the opportunity to take part in the 2026 World Cup when it comes over to this side of the ocean, highly recommended. Uh, 
And of course, we got a really excited, exciting young team on the men's side. And of course, we got the women going out to Australia coming up this summer. So uh, uh, Qatar overall was uh, five stars. Still can't believe I actually <laughs> was lucky enough to to take it in. Uh, give us a bit of a lay of the land there, because you're right. There was you know so much over here in Canada and the United States about what the event was actually like if you were in person and there were people who had different travel issues or lodging issues. What was it like from a, from your view on the grounds? What was it like, you know, firsthand view? Well, it was, I mean, I'll be honest. It was awesome. I mean, I do a lot of work with cool Vet. Um, they had some winners that went out there myself and one of the other guys from uh, the company went out and we, uh, I mean, our accommodations were incredible. We were staying actually at the same hotel the Polish team was at. So at one point, actually, we had a kick out of this. Um, you know, and I obviously know the, the teams, but, um, you know, unlike maybe NFL players or, you know, NHL, I mean, I wouldn't recognize these guys at first glance. Mm. I actually spent about 45 minutes sitting literally next to Robert Lewandowski <laughs> before I realized Amazing. that. Amazing. Which, um, Get some of my uh, my big time soccer fan uh, friends in my life. I still can't get over that. Um, but listen, it was it was awesome. I mean, you know, nice. most of the like I wasn't in one of those little tent cities that they'd set up or anything like that. I did hear yeah. some funny stories about that at the beginning of it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, we had uh, we had a great setup. Uh, you know, the logistics of this event, I would say, probably could have been improved. I mean, you know, when you're building, I guess, seven world class stadiums in one city. There's probably a few things that get overlooked. It was hard to believe how far away from some of the stadiums you would get. I mean, if you were a person with a disability or had mobility issues, I'm not sure how you would have handled a good portion of uh, what it took to get to some of the games. Um, but overall, it was really neat. It was just very different than North America. I mean, you know, you're not, you know, hitting the bars or the clubs before and after the game until three in the morning. It was just a really different vibe, but... I mean, as far as bringing people from around the world together to, I mean, get to these world-class sporting events, um, it doesn't get much better than the World Cup. That's all I'll say. And, and, you know, the spirit of people from around the world coming together and being in the same place and cheering for their teams, but also, you know, wanting to make the most of what I think for everyone was, you know, a lifetime experience, uh, I think just added to an amazing atmosphere around it. And, uh, man, some of those fans, too, Senegal, Morocco, I mean, we uh, we Canadians could learn a little bit about supporting our teams for the passion some of these countries have for it. That was another big takeaway. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a great time. It was so cool to follow along on, on your socials or on Instagram, mm-hmm. following you there, and to, uh, to see you have a trip of a lifetime there. And it couldn't have happened to a better guy, Huss. I'm so glad you got to uh, to have that experience, man. And uh, I'm glad that you came back. And, uh, you know, you're back on the, the beat doing the Winnipeg Sports Talk gig out there. And, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the Jets. They play the Flames tonight, and I was saying to Patrick a little bit earlier, I'm like, if you haven't picked up on what's happening in Winnipeg yet, you probably should, and I'm curious about this. I'm going to say this to you and, and curious how you would respond, but I wonder if we don't give Paul Maurice enough credit in all of this, going back to last year and saying, I'm not the guy. My voice doesn't resonate in here anymore, and these guys can do better but they can do better without me. And I know a lot of that's going to go to Rick Bonus for being that guy, but I wonder how much of it you would put to to Paul Maurice and saying, hey, I, I wasn't the right guy for the job anymore. Well, 
I mean, I guess. Listen, the bottom line is the Jets are a lot better without Paul Maurice than they were with him towards the end. And I don't yep. want to diminish what Maurice did at the early point of his time with the Jets because he he really legitimized this team, established it as a real NHL club, um, and obviously took them to their highest heights with the run of the conference finals in 2018. Um Listen, from my perspective, that move with Maurice was long overdue, frankly, about a year and a half overdue, and I think we're seeing the fruits of it now. Um, and it's hard to overlook the fact that he did walk out in the middle of the season, and that season was essentially sunk at that minute. I mean, the team wasn't prepared for it. They had Adam Lowry's dad take over, and Dave Lowry's a great man, Adam Lowry a great player. I think that was one of the most awkward situations in NHL history. I mean, this isn't 9B hockey where your dad's coaching. I mean, that was the NHL, and I don't think it was good for anybody involved. But fast forward to this year, guys, and there were a lot of problems with the Winnipeg Jets going into last season. I'm sure you guys even talked about it. Some of the more stunning um, comments from players at the end of the season, um, including Mark Scheifele, who myself included, thought that he basically – signaled that he wanted out at the end of the year last year. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about Rick Bonus. The players continue to come back to his level of communication. Um, And to be honest, we're finding out that that wasn't really a strength of Paul Maurice's. Um, You know, from talking to players like Shankly right now, he has gotten players to buy in. He has got them to feel a part of the team and he's motivated them to do what they need to do to be competitive again. And, um, you know, considering where the Jets are right now and what was expected of them coming into the season, I don't think there's any doubt that Rick Bonus should be right at or at least near the top of the odds for the Jack Adams Trophy this season. Now, despite uh, all the injuries to this team, you got obviously Wheeler's out, Ehlers is out, Nate Schmidt's missed the last week and some change. Logan Stanley hasn't played much all at all this year. Now Cole Perfetti uh, is a little bit banged up. Uh, Club keeps ticking. I know they were, they've been uh, they've won two straight now. They were hitting a little bit of a, a, a little doldrum there for a little bit, but it seems like they're coming out of it. Just speak to the the, the with the amount of man games lost to this team and how they just keep on ticking. You know, it's been incredible. I, I, listen, they had to survive the month of December. Yeah. Um, and on top of all the injuries, and I'm sure this is the same. I haven't paid too close attention to many of the other clubs, but. I have never seen a team play more hockey in such a short period of time than they did in the three weeks going into Christmas. They had four games in three consecutive weeks, finishing it off with five games in seven days that started in Vancouver and ended up in Washington. So, I mean, they were really taxed. Uh, But this is one of the great things about Rick Bonus. There's absolutely no excuses. Mm -hmm. Um, And he... And he got the players that were in the lineup to buy into the incredible challenge and the, te- the way that they were tested. Um, but listen, without Ehlers in particular since game two of the season, yeah. which is still unbelievable, Perfetti, Wheeler, the way he's played, Sacramento Linen, who's been a real nice story yeah. so far this year. There's been a ton of guys that have stepped up. I mean, namely three guys forward-wise. Mark Scheifele, the turnaround in his game, not necessarily offensively, although, man, he's scoring a lot of goals. But his, his attention to detail and honestly caring about his own end might be the number one thing that has had the biggest effect on both the wins and losses, but also the rest of the club. And my God, Pierre-Luc Dubois, guys, is just having yeah. an absolutely monster season. I mean, if he continues to play and score at this rate, 
I don't know what the price tag for Dubois is on whatever the extension is, wherever he signs it, but it is going to be big. Uh, and Kyle Connor had a bit of a slow start, mm-hmm. but man, I mean, he is one of the true elite snipers in the National Hockey League, and those three guys have just absolutely led the way. Adam Lowry's having a monster season as well, doing everything a team needs from a player like that to win hockey games. And there's been a lot of great, a lot of great stories in the bottom six of guys that weren't really even on the radar at the start of the year that have come in and earned spots in Rick Bonus's lineup even after guys get healthy. So uh, they've been a really interesting team to watch, and um, this should be a great game tonight against a Calgary team that has uh, looked pretty good coming out of the new year. Yeah, and another guy, uh, he's right from here in Calgary who's having a career year. He's only trailing Eric Carlson in points from defensemen, and that's Josh Morsey. Uh, I know uh, it was maybe a little tongue-in-cheek earlier on, maybe when it was starting getting called being Josh Norsey, but this kid, my God, I know what he's been through with his dad and uh, just the, his type of play. He's entered a next level, and he's uh, entering that elite echelon of NHL defensemen. Well, yeah, listen, I didn't mean to overlook Josh in no. that, you know, we were kind of talking about the injuries. Yeah. I was talking about the forwards <laughs> that have stepped up. Josh Morrissey's season has been, I, I listen, I'm almost at a loss for words at how great he's been this year. I mean, the guy's scoring at over a point again clip. He's been leading the team in scoring pretty much the entire year. That's still recently. As much as I was talking about, as much as I was talking about Dubois and Shifley and Connor, Josh Morrissey has been the guy that has been really the offensive catalyst. He's playing huge minutes. He's getting it done at both ends. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, if you tried to say an MVP of the Winnipeg Jets right now, um, all those forwards that I mentioned probably would not be in the top two because it's been Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Those two players have really been the backbone of this Winnipeg Jets team. And um, they've given the, given the Jets a chance to win on both, both nights. Um, but listen, I mean, the whole talk about Norrissey was fun at the start. Now it's legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, with what he's done, the way that he's playing in both ends, the points that he's putting up, listen, I know Eric Carlson's getting a ton of points and maybe a few more scoring. I, I wouldn't rather have Eric Carlson in my lineup than Josh Morrissey right now, I can tell you that. And there's very few defensemen in the league that I think you'd want more than what Josh has shown so far this year. His maturity and his ascension to a star defenseman has been an interesting path, but he is here right now. And if folks haven't seen a lot of 44 so far this year, they'll get a good glimpse of it tonight and just the player that he's turned into and how much he means to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and then uh, one more from me here, Huss, uh, just Connor Hellebuck. Uh, obviously, uh, a down year last year, the whole group was down. It was it was a rough time. We get that. But it seems like he's definitely got back to his Vesna form that he did, that he did in the one in the lockout, or not in the lockout, in the COVID-shortened year. Uh, but Hellebuck, he's the main guy here in Winnipeg. 18-9-1 uh, on the year, 2-3-2 goals against, 9-2-8 save percentage. Uh, just watching this guy, it's it's just one of the most fun goalies to watch in the league. He, um, listen, he is one of the best at his position, and he's one of the most interesting dudes <laughs> in the league as well. He's a very fun guy to listen to speak. He can be very intense. He can be fun. The bottom line is he gives his team a chance to win every single time out. And uh, I don't know where this team would be even over the last few years if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck. To be honest, I think many people blame the fact that the team didn't move on the coach and kind of stayed with things as long as they did in the midst of obvious things that needed to be changed because Connor Hellebuck was so good, he kind of disguised many of the 
issues with the club for a long time. Yeah. Um, the way that he's played right out of the gate for Rick Bonus has been uh, has been well, basically the foundation of the Winnipeg Jets' success so far. And it starts with the net with Hellebuck, then you go to Josh Morrissey, um, and then obviously what the forwards have done so far this year. But um, listen, he should be a Vesna Trophy finalist, if not the winner. Um, and to be honest, you could actually make a legitimate argument, although I'm not sure how many people would be open to it, that you know he's a heart trophy candidate as well. Now, listen, once you get to the heart trophy, you're talking about the best of the best in the entire league. Mm-hmm. But Connor Hellebuck has been exactly that at that position. And I think as we all know, especially for teams that's margins are thin, there's nothing more important than having a goalie that can make that extra save for you. And he seems to do it every night. From the outside looking in, uh, Huss, what do you see when you look at this uh, this Flames team this year? Lots of changes, obviously, from last season, but they've picked it up a little bit here the last couple of weeks. Curious what you make of Daryl Sutter's crew this season. Well, I mean, this is one of the most fascinating teams in the league, guys, going in. I mean, the offseason that Brad Treleving had after what he was faced with was, I mean, we'll be talking about it actually for years in the big picture of the National Hockey League, what they were able to do considering what they were facing. Um, And I think there's been, you know, ups and downs. I mean, you know, when you bring in players like that, um, that are having such huge roles on the club, before they even play, I mean, you, I guess fans and you would want things just to click right away. It doesn't always happen that way. Although, to be honest, in the last few weeks, paying more attention to the Flames, I think they're playing more and more the style that Daryl wants them to play. And even in some of the games that they've lost, I mean, I think back to that game coming out of Christmas uh, against the Oilers, um, they've been dominating the shot clock in a lot of games. They're starting to get that style of play down, and I think to continue that you would want to have by this time. And I would be surprised if they're not a playoff team by the end of the year. But uh, I am looking forward to see them a little closer tonight against the Jets, a team that, you know, has got a bit of momentum right now and has had a great start because uh, I think there's really things to like on both sides of the ice tonight. And it should be a really intriguing matchup. But um, it'll be neat to see uh, the first time for guys like Huberto and Uyghur here in Winnipeg in those Calgary jerseys. But um, you can change a lot of the personnel. You're not changing the guy on the bench. And I think both coaches have made huge impacts on their club so far this season. 100%. Uh, a couple more for you, Huss, away from hockey. Before we let you go this morning, uh, Andrew Patterson from Winnipeg Sports Talk joining us uh, this morning. Uh, is it boring being a Chiefs fan? Is it just ho-hum? It must be nice. Another 13-3 and season. Patrick Mahomes is, uh, you know, just incredible. Uh, it really is. I don't, I don't know if we appreciate it enough. And and you know me and my Chargers, and we're, we're just happy to be along for the ride. But I, I, it's just incredible what the, the consistency level that, that Andy Reid has brought to that group and how the Chiefs just continue to be uh, you know, a real contender and what's a tough AFC. I'm really excited to see what this playoff group is going to look like, Huss. Oh, my God. The AFC is just crazy this year. And, and just first up, before everything, I mean, just thoughts with uh, DeMar Hamlin and, I mean, that mm-hmm. unprecedented situation last night. I, mean, I think everyone's still pretty rattled from what was supposed to be one of the biggest, most hyped games in recent NFL history. Uh, ending the way that it is, and I guess we'll find out more details on what happens going forth. But you know, we're thinking about Hamlin, and hopefully that uh, you know he can make uh, he can make a recovery. As far as the Chiefs, though, though, I mean, you know, like I mean, it, it's so fun every single week getting out. I, I joke to my friends that Patrick Mahomes has made more of an impact in my 
mental health and <laughs> just enjoyment <laughs> of life than maybe anyone. Because honestly, it's just a thrill watching him play every week. And, you know, we know about the offseason. Tyreek Hill was lost. There was a lot of questions and a lot of doubters, frankly, of what he was going to be able to do um, without some of the weapons that he'd had in the past. And he's showing that he's one of the most brilliant players ever to play the position. Uh, and Andy Breed gets them ready to play. The enemy calls the plays. The defense is way better this year. And I think that's why... You know, with Mahomes playing at an MVP level, and then on top of it all, you have Karloftis and, um, you know, the young corner that they picked in the first round made a big play last week. Chris Jones stepping up. They seem to be more ready for a big playoff run. Now, that being said, I can't remember the AFC being as top-heavy and uh, and competitive as it is right now. And I joke about the Chargers. The Chargers are going to be a very scary team to play for one of those teams in the first round. But... You know, regardless of whoever wins that first seed is going to have such a big advantage, I think, because when I really look at that upper tiers, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills, um, you know, depending on what happens with this game last night, um, at whatever time or however they figure it out, one of those three teams is going to get the one seed, and that is going to be huge. They'll have a bye, and they'll watch, in all likelihood, those two teams go at it in the divisional round and then have to go to the one seed spot. So, um, there is a lot at stake and a lot on the line in these final couple of weeks to figure out what happens with it. But I can tell you that for all the people that sort of wrote the Chiefs off before this season, saying, oh, no Tyreek Hill, they're going to be average, far from it right now. But they've got a lot of company in that AFC and in the NFL. I can't wait for the playoffs, guys. And the Chiefs in, in good spots heading into Week 18. They've got a Saturday matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I guess I'll just end it there, Huss. You know all about the Raiders, you know, following the Chiefs for as long as you have in the AFC West. And they've benched Derek Carr for Jarrett Stidham. Uh, Josh McDaniels is, you know, proving again that it's, he struggles when he's a head coach. What do you make of that whole situation in Las Vegas? <laughs> well, I just sit back and laugh and love every second of it because – I mean, death taxes and the Raiders being the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL. I'm here for it. You can always count on it. Uh, in, in all seriousness, they were a team that was supposed to really take a run at the Chiefs. That entire division this year, to be honest. I mean, think of our conversations going in. Oh, my God, the Broncos have Russell Wilson. They're going to be great. Devontae Adams is with the Raiders. We knew the Chargers were good. were already ready good. Um, and here we are, Chiefs running away with the division, Chargers a wild card, these other two teams done. Um, I think Josh McDaniels is making Derek Carr a bit of a scapegoat, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and that doesn't surprise me from someone from the Belichick coaching tree. Um, I guess he gets another chance to come back and do it again next year with a new quarterback. Um, but I'll say this, for everyone that was high on the Raiders and what they were going to be with McDaniels and Carr and Adams, I'm not sure whether Adams is going to want to stick around, to be honest, after what's happened this year. That is going to be something interesting to take a look at in the offseason. Uh, but right now, Derek Carr is going to find a new home next year, and I think we'll have a neat opportunity to prove that it wasn't him, it was the Raiders. Um, and he'll probably end up being proven right. Uh, before we let you go, Huss, how's, uh, how's things over on Winnipeg Sports Talk? I'm always amazed at how uh, you guys are, are killing it in the Winnipeg sports scene. You had the Marbles tournament of champions going on in December. Uh, I loved all of that. How's things been uh, for you guys personally over at, uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk? You know what, Logo? Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, people, if they want to check us out, I mean, obviously we're on all our podcast, all your podcast feeds at Winnipeg Sports Talk, but 
Um, the invent of doing it on YouTube daily has really given us so, first of all, you get a chance to see and talk with your folks. I mean, a lot of people with our guests, people really do like the video aspect of it. And then, yeah, fun things like giving away things through Marvel races and whatnot. Um, listen, we're really lucky. I mean, uh, we were obviously working for uh, at one point for the competition in this business, and they decided that they were just going to shut things down in Winnipeg. Um which for such a sports mad city, a decision still makes absolutely no sense. But in the end, it ended up being like the best opportunity we could have asked for kind of serve up this audience to us on a silver platter. And the response has been incredible. So yeah, we're cranking it out very similar to what we did. I mean, it's mostly sports talk radio format. Um, we've got it on the internet. We do it with video and um, obviously we're free to do it as we like. So it's been, uh, it continues to grow. We're just about coming up to two years in March which is wild to think about. <laughs> and uh, obviously with the Jets playing as well, they have this year and the Bombers and everything else going on here. There's plenty of things to focus on Winnipeg-wise and then obviously all the big headlines. So, uh, yeah, if you got any Winnipeg expats out there, just people that want maybe a little bit more of a look at things outside the Calgary market, check us out on YouTube, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit that subscribe button, and uh, yeah, we're there five days a week. Nowhere else we'd rather send them. Huss, thanks for the time, man. Continued success for you guys out there in Winnipeg. Keep killing it, man. Uh, We'll chat with you sometime soon. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, fellas. This is a lot of fun. All the best to you guys and uh, my boy Pat Steinberg (laughs) and everyone we used to chat with on the program, and uh, I will look forward to this game tonight. You guys enjoyed it as well. Have a great one.